Good morning and welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you are doing well. Hope you are ready to study the Word of God with me this morning. I'm excited about what we're going to be studying. We're going to start a new series, and it's actually from a discipleship teaching that we do at Love and Action called The 50 Commands of Christ. So we're going to dive into that starting this morning, and we're going to go through these commands and talk about them. And I hope that you are able to study along with me if you're driving. Of course, you're not going to be able to take notes, but if you aren't driving, I hope you can take some notes and really take this teaching to heart because these are commands that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gives us. And we'll talk about the importance of them and the Great Commission. And before we do, before we dive into it, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we praise you and we thank you. Thank you for your word. God, you give us everything that we need to live this life for you and to prepare for eternity. Lord, we thank you that you loved us so much, Jesus, that you came here to earth and you died on the cross for our sins. You paid a price that we could not pay. And then on the third day, God, you raised Jesus back to life from the dead so that all who believe shall not perish but have eternal life. And I pray for those who have not given their lives to you yet. I pray today will be their day that they call out to you and surrender their lives to you, Lord, and experience life that is true life, and that's you, because Jesus, you are life. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. So, Lord, we just want to give you praise this morning, and thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us. You are the Most High God. You are God Almighty. You are the Great I Am. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are our Abba Father, and we give you praise this morning. I pray, Father, as we open up your word this morning and we start looking at the 50 commands of Christ, that we will let your word just sink into our hearts and that we will focus on you and be determined that we're going to live this life for you, live this for your glory and obey your word. Father, I pray for each and every Christian listening today, that each one will just focus on you, Lord, and be a great commission Christian. Father, we praise you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. And God, I pray for everyone who's going through sickness right now, Lord, as COVID is still going on, is still affecting a whole lot of people. Lord, we'll just pray for your healing touch on each one, Father God. And Lord, that you would just continue to help us through these trying times. And God, we pray for church leaders, leaders of ministries, God, that we will lead like you want us to. Lord, we pray for the leaders of this country, that each one will seek you, Father God, above all else. So, Father, we just thank you again. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for loving us. We ask you to forgive us for our sins now, and we ask you to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to teach us, lead us, and guide us into all truths, and may we be doers of your word, Father, and not hearers only. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. As I mentioned, we're going to study the 50 commands of Christ. Now, obviously, we're not going to discuss all 50 of them today. <laughs> we're going to go along a few at a time, however many we can get into 30 minutes. We will talk about them and read them and talk about the meaning of them and, and how to apply them to our lives. And I'm going to be asking questions for you just to think about and to pray about. Again, as I mentioned, if you're able to take notes, I encourage you to take notes. If you're driving, keep driving. <laughs> You can always go back and listen to this message and any other Sunday morning of Love and Action on our Love and Action podcast. And you can find the Love and Action podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast, you can find the Love and Action podcast. 
The 50 commands of Christ comes from his teachings that we find in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these commands are meant to be studied, obeyed, and taught to other disciples of Jesus in preparation to becoming a Great Commission Christian. What is a Great Commission Christian? Well, let's turn to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And this is Jesus speaking to us, and he tells us that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. And I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the Great Commission, and that's how Jesus wants us to live out our lives, being Great Commission Christians. I always say this is not the great suggestion. Jesus doesn't say, hey, if you feel like doing this, then do it. If not, it's okay. No, he says to do it. It's the Great Commission. Part of that Great Commission is teaching others to obey all that he has commanded us. So what are those commands? Well, that's what this teaching of the 50 commands of Christ is all about. We're going to learn those commands of Christ. As some can say, well, there's more commands. Well, these are the ones we're going to look at. They're commands from Jesus that he wants us to do. He wants us to obey. And when we do, we really get the fullness of Christ in our lives. And we get to live out this life for him and for his glory. Because once we understand that this life, it's not about us. It's not about what can I do to make me happy today. It's about what can I do to bring glory to God. And let me tell you, when we do that, when we live that way, it makes us happy. (laughs) Because... We realize we are living this life for Jesus, and Jesus will work through us in so many different ways. And as we're being a Great Commission Christian, we see God do things that we never thought he would do, at least not through us. We might read about it in the Bible, but then we see it in our lives, and it's awesome, an awesome life, the the most awesome life ever. I've lived this life without Jesus And since 1989, I've been living it with him. And I praise God for all of these years that I've been walking with Jesus. And these 50 commands we're going to talk about today, we combine them at Love and Action with Training for Trainers. For short, it's called T for T. What that is is a wonderful disciple-making method where we make disciples and in the process also teach those disciples how to make disciples. And so we teach T for T, and we teach the 50 commands. And when you put those two together, then you're thoroughly equipped to be a follower of Christ and to fulfill his great commission. One thing that we do when we're teaching this at Love and Action, and again, let me also state, as I've stated this before, teaching people the word of God. You don't have to be at a church or at a ministry like at Love and Action. You can be at a coffee house. You can be at your house, somebody else's house. It takes place wherever. But when I say we teach this at Love and Action, we do actually teach it on the on the campus there at Love and Action. But I've also taught another disciple at coffee shop. So it, wherever you're at, you can teach this. And this isn't just for ministers like myself or for pastors or evangelists. It's for everybody, everybody who's a believer in Jesus Christ, because that's what the Great Commission is about. And what I read out of Matthew chapter 28, that was among the last commands that Jesus gave his disciples. Then he went up to heaven. He ascended to heaven, and the Holy Spirit came down and filled the disciples, filled the believers, and he 
does that today. That's how Christ lives in us. But the Great Commission, again, it's about being a disciple of Jesus. And a disciple in Hebrew, the word is Talmudim, which means a learner or a pupil. So you hear the word disciple, and you may be thinking, what is a disciple? That's what it is. It's, it's being a student, being a pupil, a learner. Back in the time of Jesus, a disciple or a Talmudim walked so closely with their rabbi that the dust from his sandals covers their clothes. I mean, they were with their rabbi so close and learning from him constantly. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. A disciple can replicate the rabbi's life and teaching. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to replicate his life. He wants us to replicate his teachings. And a disciple back in that time and today, our mission is to tell others about Jesus and to make more disciples. And thus, it is with this spirit of being a disciple or a learner that we approach these commands. Before we get to the commands themselves, let us look at two things that Jesus said about obeying his commands. Turn to the Gospel of John, verse 14. John 14. And when I'm teaching this, I always have the students, the disciples that I'm teaching, have index cards. And we write down each command. So if you're able to do so, I encourage you to, to write these commands down on index cards. And the reason being Index cards are easy to put up on a refrigerator or put in your pocket, put somewhere where you can go back and look at it throughout the week and remember the commands that we studied that week. And they're also easy to go back to at any time and look at. So I really encourage you to do that. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Huh, so how do we know if we love Jesus? We keep his commands. He tells us that very clearly in verse 15. And then let's go down to verses uh, 21 and 23. Jesus says in verse 21, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. See there again, Jesus saying, Whoever has my commands and keeps them, that's the one who loves me. And in verse 23, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. There it is again. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And we see how when we do that, we're in unity with the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And Jesus says that my father and I will come and make our home with him. As we talk about the commands of Jesus, remember John 14 that if we love Jesus, we will keep his commands. Another question we're going to ask is, why should we obey Christ's commands? Turn back to the Old Testament first. In Psalms chapter 103, verse 17 and 18, Psalmist writes, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commands. So we see God talking about keeping his commands. And if you're a reader of the Old Testament, then you understand God gave his people, Israel, commands to follow. And we see what happens when they didn't follow his commands. And we saw the blessings of when they did. And so Jesus wants, to, wants us to live a blessed life. So following his commands, we receive his steadfast love constantly and his righteousness and just life that he gives us. 
And that's what Jesus wants us to have. He wants us to have his fullness. And as we obey his commands, we receive that. Now let's go back to the New Testament, back to the Gospel of John. We're going to go to chapter 15, verses 10 through 11. John 15, 10 through 11. Jesus says, If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Do you want to have a life full of his joy, full of joy? Then we need to abide in his love, and to do that, we keep his commandments. And he tells us also that his commandments are not burdensome, and they're not. From a person with experience, his commands are not burdensome. His commands, again, will help us realize his fullness of joy, realize the fullness of life that he wants us to have, and we can only have that in him. So these commands we're going to talk about, they're very important, and God wants us to apply them to our life. We're told in in James to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So as we go over these, I encourage you, if you can, if you're able, to write them down and to study them and apply them to your life. So let's start out with the first one. And on your index card, if you're doing that, or just taking notes on your tablet, phone, piece of paper, if people do that anymore, (laughs) write the command and then the key verse. Number one, repent. So write down number one, repent. And the key verse is Matthew chapter four, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is his first command before he called his disciples. He said to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He gave this command before he called his disciples before he did any miracles, before he preached a full message. To keep this in context, Jesus had just gone through the temptation of Satan. He went through that victoriously, of course. And then John the Baptist was arrested. And then Jesus starts his ministry. And he tells us, repent. Key thing to remember about repent, that is to turn from our ways, turn from the ways of the world, turn from the ways of Satan and turn to Jesus. So it's it's not a 360, it's a 180. We're turning from that life and turning to the life, Jesus Christ, and commit our lives to him. Jesus' command to repent is repeated in a number of other places in the New Testament and many times in the Old Testament. Jesus is reiterating an Old Testament teaching of returning to the Lord when he talks about repenting. We are called to repent at least 60 times in the Old Testament and more than 15 times in the New Testament. When God tells us something over and over again like this, it ought to really catch our attention. So he tells us to repent. And when we first come to Jesus, that's what we do. We repent. We ask God to forgive us, and he will. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that. And then Jesus says to repent. So then we, we tell God, I repent of my sins. I repent of my sinful ways and I turn to you. Repenting or the word repentance is not just being remorseful for something and it's not just an academic change of mind, but it's a turning from sin unto righteousness. And that's Jesus Christ. And again, this teaching that Jesus or this command that Jesus gives us, it comes right after the temptation of Satan and his Galilean ministry begins. 
Let's look back in, in the Old Testament and let's turn to Psalms, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 23. Proverbs 1, 23. And the psalmist writes, If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. So if we turn, repent. If we turn, God will make his words known to him. He'll pour out his spirit upon us and he'll make his words known to us. So that's one example of the Old Testament where God is telling us, turn, turn from from our sinful ways, turn to him and let him pour out his spirit upon us and let him give us his word and give us understanding of his word. Let's turn to Psalms chapter 51. We're going to look at verses one through four. This is a phenomenal chapter in the Bible. And this is David when the prophet Nathan went to him after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He got her pregnant, and then he had her husband killed. David is repenting here. We're just going to read these four verses, but I really encourage you to go back and read the whole chapter, 51, Psalms chapter 51. It's just a very powerful, powerful prayer from King David, and it shows him repenting for his sins. Verse 1, have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, only you, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. See, King David realized after being talked to by the prophet, by Nathan, he realized his sin and he poured out his heart to God and he repented for what he did. You can just feel that as you read it. You just feel the the agony that David was in. You you feel the the true repentance of what he was saying to God and asking God to forgive him and understanding that what he did was evil and that God was justified in what he said to him through the prophet and that he, God is blameless in his judgment. Of course, God is always blameless in his judgment because God is just. He is justice. He is the true judge. He is the holy one. He is the righteous one. He is just. That's a great prayer. If you need to repent, read that. You can even pray that prayer for yourself. I have. It's a powerful prayer of repentance. Let's now go back to the New Testament, and let's look at Luke chapter 13, verse 3. Luke chapter 13, verse 3. Jesus says, No, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repent or perish. Perish is talking about spiritual, our spiritual lives. Without Christ, we do perish. There's a real place called hell, and that's where a soul goes without Christ. And it's forever. That's eternity. But if we repent and we turn to Jesus, then heaven is also a real place. And that's where we will spend eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he tells us to repent. Let's look at Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. This is the 
Apostle Peter teaching here, and he says, repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. So we see Jesus talking about repenting. We read in the Old Testament about repentance, and we see here that the Apostle Peter, who served under Jesus, Jesus was his rabbi, was his teacher, and obviously his Lord and his Savior. And Peter understands about repentance because Jesus taught that, and Peter did that, and so he's teaching it as well. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Not the Gospel of John, Little John. There's three books of John towards the back of the Bible in the New Testament, and we're going to look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. John writes, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness confess our sins, confess them to God, go straight to God and confess our sins to him. And God is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. And he doesn't stop there. He also cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So if you've never asked God to forgive you, you can, and you can have the confidence that he will forgive you because he says so. And God is a God that cannot lie and his word is true. Revelation chapter three, verse 19 Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Again, we're seeing that we must repent. So have you repented of your sins? Have you turned to Jesus and away from a sinful lifestyle? We all have to come to that point then decide if we're going to do that or not. And if you haven't, I encourage you to do so. Turn to him today and repent of your sins. Ask him to forgive you and confess Jesus as Lord. Believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and that God raised him from the dead. The Word of God says you shall be saved. So I encourage you to do that today. If you have any questions and if you repent today and give your life to Jesus, please feel free to contact me. I'd love to give you next steps. Or if you hadn't made that decision but you still have questions, you can still contact me. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to swap emails with you, however you want to communicate. Our phone number is 334 494 4995. That's 334-494-4995. You can email me at ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. Ken.tuck at In the Greek, the word repentance means a change of mind. And in the Hebrew, the word repentance means to turn back. So true repentance, according to Scripture, is when you are in the same temptation, same temptation situation, after repenting, you don't repeat the sin. That's repentance, not continuing in willful sin. So the first command is repent. Let's do one more command before we run out of time today. Number two, again, if you're keeping notes, write down number two and write, let your heart not be troubled. Let your heart not be troubled. In other words, don't worry. Key verse here is going to be John chapter 14, verse 27. John 14, 27. And Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That is a powerful scripture for what this world is going through right now, isn't it? With the pandemic and with all the political strife and everything else that's going on, In this country and around the world, we need peace. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And the only way we're going to get peace is through him. So he tells us, let our hearts not be troubled. Don't worry. 
and he will give us peace. He says he will give us peace in our hearts, peace in our minds. We need his peace. So let's not worry. Let's trust in him. Let's turn to the Gospel of John. Stay in the Gospel of John, but let's go to chapter 16 and read verse 33. John 16, 33. Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart. Jesus has already given us the victory. We just need to walk in it. And when we do, we receive his peace. Let's turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 and 26. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more worth than them? Jesus is telling us, don't worry. Don't worry about these things that you physically need. Instead, trust in him. Jesus tells us to look at the birds. They don't reap and store up in the barns for later. They just go day by day, and God makes sure they have food. I've got a good friend who lives in Atlanta, and he was quoting that scripture one day, and somebody said, well, you put feed out for them. You're feeding them, not God. And he said, well, no, God had me to put food out for the birds, and therefore they have seeds in my yard because God led me to do that. So God feeds them. Sometimes he'll, he'll use us to, to feed them. I know at my house, my wife and I, we feed birds. We, we have bird feeders, and we love watching God's beautiful creation in our backyard. But Jesus, he isn't talking about bird watching. Jesus is saying, look, don't worry. You have peace from me, so have peace and focus on me, and I'll take care of you. God's not going to let us down. I promise you that. We focus on him. We obey him. He's taking care of us. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul, through God inspiring him to write this, tells us some great things to focus on. We can be focusing on all kind of tragedies, all kind of fears, but we don't need to focus on that. We need to focus on God's word. We need to focus on what is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely, anything that's commendable, anything of excellence, anything worthy of praise. Think about Jesus. He's the one worthy of praise. But he tells us, don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. If we would do this, if we would obey this command of let not your heart be troubled, that will take so much stress away from so many people because you won't be worrying about everything. It doesn't mean you don't care. It just means you know God's got you and God's got this and he's going to take care of it. And trust me, that takes stress totally away from you when you're not worrying, but you're trusting God. There are three results of the peace that Jesus gives us in our lives. 
Number one, as we read in John 14, 27, he gives us peace unlike the world's. Number two, as we read in John 16, 33, we have peace in trials. And number three, as we read in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 26, peace regarding your physical needs. So we can have peace that's not like the world's because the world doesn't have peace, does it? It keeps talking about wanting peace, but it just doesn't happen. But Jesus gives us peace, and we have peace no matter what trial we're going through, and we have peace regarding our physical needs. So let not your heart be troubled. And we'll stop right there for this week because we are out of time, and we will continue this study of the 50 commands of Christ next week, and we'll cover more commands next week. I took this week to really set up the 50 commands and explain what it's all about. So remember, repent. And the second command that we discussed, let not your heart be troubled. Well, I hope you have a great rest of the day today. I hope you have a very good week coming up. Focus on Jesus. Don't worry. Let his peace reign in your life. Remember, Jesus loves you. May God bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.